Hey, what's up, man? Welcome to the Air J the Great Podcast. How you doing? I'm doing good. What about yourself? Hey, I'm doing all right. Uh, just going with the flow. Just another day. I feel you. Um, so are you able to hear me correctly? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm able to hear you. Yeah, as long as it's, you know it ain't too much background noise, we'll be good. Okay, yeah. Um, I was telling my mom, I told her um, I got to do it. Do this thing so she can't be loud in the background. She ain't gonna be loud. Okay, yeah. Just to give you a little uh, brief background about myself. You know, uh, you know, um, I was in the uh, military for eight years. I got medically retired in June of uh, 2020. I, uh, um, I was special forces in the military, so I was an elite part of the military. So, you know, I was the people that get sent after the special people, but I uh been to Afghanistan twice, you know, uh I'm in Louisville, Kentucky now ever since then. You know, I've been doing security for celebrities. I don't do security for a lot of big artists and uh and I'll start and I'll start doing this podcast. I started doing a podcast thing in April of twenty twenty when the pandemic first started because I had so much time on my hands when I got out the military. So I was like, I need to find something to get into. So mm-hmm. I understand. That's a blessing. So, yeah. So yeah, I just wanted to, uh, yeah, I had looked at your story earlier on, uh, you had just uh, a brief uh, biography about you on urbanmusicscene.com. So I was, I was reading that earlier. So basically, I just want to do a uh, an interview with you today, and uh, just basically uh, go through your whole story, how you started out, you know, before you got into music, you know, brief life story, and then just transition to what you got going on now, and then what you got going on in the future, what you plan to do for uh, twenty twenty two. Okay. So uh, first off, we start off with. Uh, where did you grow up? Where you from? Uh, do you got any siblings? Only child? Um, so I grew up in actually, um, I'm military brat. My dad was in the military. Um, I was born in the Blyva, Arkansas. And from that experience, um, six months after I was born, my dad got stationed back overseas in England. And so that's where my brother was born. And then so I've been, you know, many places, lived in Colleen, Texas. Um, but where I grew up at was um, in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, that's where I spent most of my life was in Atlanta. And so now I'm previously um, here, been sent back to Texas. But um, I've been um, in Atlanta for some years, about 17 years I was living in Atlanta. Uh, so Atlanta's pretty much home for me. And so that's just a little bit about my um, upbringing. And, you know, even then I have um, I have a brother. My brother's older than me. We're five years apart. Um, I have a sister as well. Um, and so I have a lot of other God brothers and sisters. And so they've always, you know, in my life to help me, to push me. And so I'm always getting motivated because of them. And so um, that's just a little bit about um, just my history from growing up as a child and um, just where I've lived. Oh, so did you grow up in a, uh, in a, in a rough environment growing up, like in the uh, hood, or did you grow up in the uh, suburbs a little bit? Like, what type of challenges did you have growing up? When I first moved to Georgia, um, I was living in Gwinnett County, in Gwinnett, 
and so after that, uh, it was a different, it was a transition for me because um, my mom was like, we're moving to Decatur. So I lived in Decatur, Georgia. Um, and, you know, Decatur, they say where it's greater, if anybody's familiar with Atlanta. Um, and so we moved to a Decatur. And so I went to all pretty much majority black school where there's a lot of black. So I went to school with Crime Mom, the rap group. Um, that's on Lucky If You Buck. We was classmates since the sixth grade. So middle school, high school, um, uh, we was all together, Cedar Grove High School, Cedar Grove Middle School. And so it was different for me in that area, um, in that environment. It wasn't really ghetto, but it was definitely um, an environment where I was definitely, um, you know, uh, stereotyped. Or I was also involved in a lot of peer pressure, you know, dealing with students and dealing with um, just being in that environment around the wrong type of people. Sometimes you won't be the wrong person, but being in a in wrong environment can allow somebody to stereotype you as the wrong individual. And so, yeah, so I was around that environment just growing up. And so, yeah, it was, it was, it was crazy. <laughs> yeah. So I was reading that you, um, that you, um, got into singing real early. You said you started singing and stuff like that when you was two years old. Yes, sir. I started singing when I was two. Um, so I will be uh, in the kitchen. My mom will be cooking dinner and I will be on a blue footstool. I will never forget that footstool. And I would have the remote control in my hand like it was my microphone. And I would always sing to my mom while she was cooking. And so I remember my dad, he'll be in the living room watching his football game. He'll say, boy, shut up in there. <laughs> he would tell me to shut up. And my mom say, um, she'll say, man, let him sing. Um, he's going to be a singer. Let him sing. And so uh, I would constantly be singing. And at that moment, I just kept on singing. It, it wasn't a day that did not go by <laughs> that I was not singing. It was like in the shower, in a bathtub. You know, I was always singing. And so I knew then that I was going to sing. I mean, even at, even when I turned five, I wrote my first song when I was five years old. And uh, I mean, from that experience, I'm looking at my life now. I'm like, wow, starting off so young. So, yeah, it was, it was a great experience for me. So um, you being a child, uh, learning that you can, you had a talent like that uh, at an early age, did you just kind of pursue that as you wanted, uh, went into being a teenager or did you uh, have other talents as far as playing sports and you was just kind of playing and just uh, playing around with it, dipping in and out when you can? Yeah, so when I was, um, I think I got serious with singing and writing when I was actually 11. And so from the age of 11, and I think I started really writing more when I was 15. Um, that was when I started writing my books and my music. And I would sit at the table in the, um, in the dining room and I would constantly write. It was like four or five hours ago by. And all my friends would watch cartoons. I mean, I watched my cartoons before and everything, movies, but I would always write. And so even in school, I was writing like the teachers will be teaching and I would get so bored because I was one that will always get bored when it came to like math or a subject that I did not understand. And so I was like, okay, well, in, store, in, in order for me to make the time go by, let me start start writing some songs. And so I'll be in a, a classroom writing music. And so I, I knew that from that experience, even 15 years old, that I was going to be a writer. I mean, because I've written like, even from that age, I think I've written over like 40 songs at the age of 15. And then from there, I was able to write more music. I mean, I don't know how much songs I have now. I think I have over like 4,000 songs that I've written. Oh, wow. That's crazy. So uh, did, were, were your parents or some of your siblings, were they musically inclined too, or you were just the one that picked it up naturally? 
So my uncles and aunties, um, they had a singing group. And this was way before I was born. Uh, my grandfather, I never met my grandfather before. My mom's father, he sung. My mama, she sang before. She would sing with them in the group. And uh, my aunties, they played a Hammond B3 organ. I had an auntie that played a guitar. And so we always, we had that growing up, you know, even from fourth and fifth generations, people will be passing the neighborhood. My great-grandfather would sit on the porch singing. And so it was something that I knew was going to be passed down to me. My mama, even when she was having me, um, she was pregnant with me. She would sing. She said she used to sing to me all the time. And so now I took all her singing away because she don't really sing no more. And so, yeah, so that's that's the thing. My family has a lot of history of singing and artists and musically inclined. Oh, wow. That's, yeah, that's uh, a blessing that you was able to have a family that kind of, uh, that you can relate to when you realize that you had that gift at an early age. Uh, so when so when, so when was your first time being in a recording studio? Did you go to a recording studio while you were still in grade school, or that was after you became my dope? I recorded my first song when I was eighteen years old. I recorded my first song. Um, the song is entitled uh, "Regain." Uh, actually, it's called uh, "Relationship with You." The song is entitled "A Relationship with You," and I started that when I was eighteen. And um, I think. That really opened me up to another whole genre. And then I did my other song. My next song was Stepping on Time. And so that experience was amazing to me. And I think from there, I just wanted to learn more about uh, the whole engineering aspects and not just going into the studio, but I wanted to learn how to do it myself. And so I began, I began to uh, question and ask questions and research different things about how to mix and master and you know, how to do the whole production aspects of your song you're recording. And then I ended up going to school for it. Uh, I got my degree, my master's degree in um, media production, fine arts and media production, audio engineering, also with the concentration of music, movie directing. And so I wanted to learn more about that. And so now I'm able to, you know, do more things. I'm still learning mixing and mastering because it's a, it's an ever learning process. But um, so I started doing that. Um, you know, even at a young age of 18. And so recently when I moved to Texas, it was different because all my producers was in Atlanta and now I had to deal with new producers in Texas. And so it was a whole different transition for me. Okay. So, um, are you, uh, you, you're independent right now, right? You're not signed to anybody. I'm independent. Yes, sir. Okay. So as you going, uh, so as you graduate high school, so what 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 did you do uh, when you first graduate uh, high school? Did you dive first foot in into music, or was you uh, still doing the music and just uh, balancing it out with college? Actually, I was a high school dropout. That's the thing. Growing up in the area of Decatur and being peer pressured, um, I dropped out. And you know, I used to be ashamed to talk about my uh, dropping out of school. Now I'm able to testify about it because it's, it's able to help somebody else that's hit the verge of dropping out or has dropped out. And so uh, after that, I, I went and got my GED. I, I failed the first test, got my second um, time I passed it. And then I enrolled into college. Um, and so the school I went to was actually a university, a private university for the School of the Arts. And um, that experience going to school, man, it was amazing. Uh, it was definitely amazing for me. 
And so, uh, I've, like I said, I've learned so much in school because uh, I thought it was going to be hard, but to do something that I wanted to do it was easy and it was fun. It was times where I'll be in a studio at the school where I'll be up there till like nine o'clock at night. And my mom would be like, hey, where you at? I'm like, I'm coming home. I'm still at the school. And it was like projects I had to do in order to graduate. But man, it was a it was an ever learning experience. And um, and I'm grateful for it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know um, a lot of people uh, that produces and went to uh, school for it. And they said they uh, told me the same thing. It's always an everlasting, uh, I mean, ever learning process. Mm hmm. So when you graduated college, uh, when did you um, start just going full flesh in music, just uh, recording consistently? I started recording consistently um, pretty much when I moved to Texas because I had dealt with new producers. And so I was like, let me go ahead and finish this album. Um, so my first album, I released it around uh, about four and a half years ago. And so I was like, yeah, it's time for me because... For years, I, I had songs for years. There were songs that I've written uh, 10 years ago, and I just released them last year. And so that's why I tell artists now, don't rush the process, you know, because you might have a good song, but it might not be the time for that song to come out. It took me 10 years. Like my song I released last year, Want to Be Real, it's been on Kurt Franklin Praise. It's been, you know, everywhere all across the world on the radio. But it was literally 10 years ago I wrote that song. I was living in Atlanta. I'll never forget. I was in the bathroom and the song came to me. And so 10 years later, it came out. And so I'm, I mean, I'm grateful for just uh, even working on the project. And now I'm working on a new album. I'm getting that finalized and completed. And I tell everybody that's trying to do music, it's a process. <laughs> it's not easy. I tell people, you can't just put anything and everything out. You got to make sure to mix the master correctly and make sure the vocals are tuned correctly and everything. So I'm working on this sophomore release, uh, which would be set to be released the latter part of this year. Um, it was going to be due uh, next month, but due to me wanting to perfect everything, I said I'll let it be released in the latter part of the year. Okay. So um, when did you uh, get into uh, being a, um, a pastor? Because uh, I know, you know, you're gra graduating, I mean, uh, getting going from school, and then going to college and then, you know, having the music thing going on through all these years is, you know, you had a lot going on. So I was interested to know when did you get into being a pastor and when, when all this is going on? So in the process of that, I was still ministering. Um, when, whenever you're called by God, it's, it's something when you, when you just do what you do, but then there's another thing when you're called to do what you do. And so all I, all the process I was going through, the whole, you know, hell and back and everything, and I knew that I was called. Even the times I would go clubbing, you know, I'd be in the club Friday night, Saturday night, go to church Sunday morning, club Sunday night, but I knew I was called because even in the club, I'll be trying to dance and have a good time, but then the Lord would begin to speak to me in the club, and I'll begin to give people words. I'm like, man, why am I getting this for this person? Like somebody will be at the liquor, uh, they'll be right there getting liquor and I'll be at the bar with them. And then the Lord will, will release a word for me to release to them. And I'm like, Lord, I'm up here having a good time. And he said, say what I said. And so I would say it and right there at the bar. 
they'll start crying. They're like, man, I needed to hear that. Like I was at the verge of depression. And so from that experience, I knew that I was called. And so I began to get more into ministry, more into preaching, more into um, counseling, mentoring. And um, I feel like God has called me um, more likely. He's called me to the youth. Um, he said that this is the year for me to actually help the youth. And I really want to help those who have uh, felt like giving up. You know, that's my passion is the youth. And so I've been, you know, called to preach different places for youth conferences, revivals, um, even schools, um, districts have called me to come in as a guest to speak. And so I just knew that I was called, but like, seriously, um, about four years ago, I think I got more serious with it. Cause at first I was kind of like doing it like here and there, but I got more serious with it four years ago. Um, and so that's, that's what I'm doing now. And just you know, preaching across the world. Um, I do the clubhouse. I do my broadcast, Facebook Live. Um, you know, during the pandemic, um, my schedule began to get slower because everything was closing down. The engagements, people calling me, booking me, was closing because everybody was afraid of COVID. But now my schedule is able to pick back up again. And so, in the process of me waiting for those engagements, I said, "Well, let me start clubhouse. Let me start Facebook." And so that's what I've been doing in the waiting process. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting um, how God works because, you know, you having this talent at an early age, being able to sing and do music, and you would think, you know, just anybody that gets talents like that, they would either dive into, you know, either uh, hip-hop or R&B, but you being called a minister it all worked out as far as you making uh gospel music mm -hmm. appreciate that so uh uh what you was about to say no, i said i definitely appreciate that um just um just what you have said and i mean god god gets all the glory i'm definitely grateful yes yeah, so, so uh you currently have uh how many albums out right now so I have one out. Um, I have an EP out, and I have one full album. Uh, but I'm working on my second release, the sophomore release. Okay. And uh, when when are you expecting to drop the uh, the sophomore release? Um, the sophomore will be released um, the latter part of the year. Okay. Yeah. I, um. When I got up this morning, uh, when I back channeled you, uh. I had listened to all your music today, and I was like, yeah, I haven't heard no music like this in a long time. Oh, wow. Because uh, I was like, uh, I kind of felt like Kirk Franklin and uh, Mary Mary was the only ones making that type of uh, get up type of gospel music. It wasn't like the old traditional, you know, type of hymns that you would hear like when you used to go to church with your grandma and stuff. Mm-hmm. I like that type of music. They know that put some energy into you. They got they got a little pump to it. Oh yeah, I appreciate that. That definitely means a lot. So, uh, what what gave you such? Um, uh, interested to know. So, it's one thing to be gifted at something and know that you're good at something, but uh, what what gave you the passion to to, to um to continue doing the music? And uh, and also uh, another question after that, uh, what gave you the uh, even though God, you know, uh, called you to uh, to pastor, 
what gave you uh, what passions did you grow after you started doing uh, ministering to people? Okay, so uh, what inspired me? I think going through the process of life inspired me. Um, and you know, one thing I can say is that my music really was not impactful until I can go through that experience. I remember I was writing songs um, in the past and I really did not live nothing that I was writing and singing. And then I remember a, a preacher told me one day, he said, when you go through the storms in life, it allows you to create greater things. It allows you to begin to have a different weight concerning your music. And so when I started dealing with storms and dealing with hell and high water and just, man, everything was against me. Then I started to see the actual songs unfold. And I said, I can sing about this thing now because I've experienced this. Just like that's, that's why I tell people, you can never tell somebody that God is a healer if you've never been sick in your body. You can't tell you can't tell somebody in a song that God will provide if you've never been broke. And so when I began to write those lyrics, it was because of my experience. And so that really inspired me to go forward. It inspired me to keep on writing. And um, even in the process of it, it really helped me to become a better person. And there was times I would write songs and I was getting my own freedom. It was times where, where I would go and God would tell me to go hear one of my songs I did. And I would go hear my own song and I start crying. I'm like, man, I did not even realize the song that I wrote, the lyrics that I wrote, how I needed that in the moment. And a lot of artists don't realize that they're thinking they're writing for other people to listen to, but it's really their songs that God allows them to write to minister to this to themselves. And so I was beginning to be ministered to even as I was listening to my own music. Some days I'd be in the gym just working out, put one of my songs on, and it's it's really ministering to me because as a writer, and if you're a prayer warrior, you know that it's God is writing through your hand, not you. And so that's one thing that inspires me. And that's for the music side, or that's for uh, both of them, uh, as far as ministering too. Yes, that's for ministry and um, the um, that's for everything. That's for my books. That's for ministry. Uh, there were times when I'll minister and I'll preach my own deliverance. Sometimes I didn't even want to preach because I was dealing with depression. I was dealing with stress. It was days that people t told me to minister, and I'm like, God, how can I minister to them if I'm broken? And then. I I heard the Lord tell me, even your brokenness, you still got to do your assignment. And I began to think on that thing. And as I was ministering, it began to save me. It began to deliver me. And I remember one day I, I preached a revival. And before the revival started, I was so depressed. I was like, I don't know. I don't want to talk to these people tonight. But I went by faith and still preached. And man, after I preached, I got my relief. And then there was people that was in the service. They said, man, we're dealing with the same thing you dealt with. And they was in there, people were suicidal and everything. And it just it just means a lot to know that you're going in the right direction. Yeah, that, that has to be, uh, has to feel real good when you can see somebody, you know, come back to you and be like, hey, man, uh, the thing you ministered to me, you know, six months ago, you know, it came to pass and I'm doing a total 360 in life and I'm really – uh, uh, doing a lot of positive things now, you know, uh, I know that has to feel good. Oh, yes, sir. It, it definitely does. Um, it does feel good when you know exactly that you're doing the right thing. 
Um, and I tell everybody, you always need that, um, not that pat on the back, but you always need that assurance, knowing that you're speaking the right right things. And even as a, a writer, knowing that I'm writing the right things. But many people come back to me and say, man, your song inspired me. Your song has blessed me. There was times I was at the verge of suicide and I put your song on and I got chill bumps talking about it. But I just I put your song on and it really inspired me to keep on going, to keep on persevering. Oh yeah. So um so question. So with all given all the success you have, you have now been independent as an artist. Would you ever sign to a major deal or would you just stay independent? To be honest with you, um I actually like um being independent because I'm able to control everything where I don't have to, <laughs> I don't have to worry about a, a record label controlling me, but I mean, I would give it a try. Like I, I think in the future, if, if God allows me to, I, I mean, I wouldn't mind giving it a try, but for now I love this independent. Um, definitely. Um, it's better for me, uh, but I think with the record label, you have more backing as far as uh, your managers and your record label to actually push you. Then I always tell anybody if you're even signed to a record label, you still got to push yourself. So, but yeah, I'll give it a try. But I like this independent um, aspects of it at the very moment. Okay, yeah, it'll probably have to to make sense as far as uh, being a life changing situation for you to sign since you already got success. Mm-hmm. Oh yes, sir. It definitely have to be God have to tell me. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, well, um, so when did you write your first book? I wrote my first book when I was eleven years old. And, and um, when you wrote your first book, did you uh, immediately put it? Did you uh, have help to immediately put it out, or did you hold on to it until you uh, became an adult and then put it out? I held on to it um, until I became older. Uh, now, my second book. Um, that I wrote, I wrote that when started when I was 15 years old. And that book came out when I was like 20. It took me eight years to complete it. <laughs> the first book was easy. The second book is because I had more knowledge I had to share. And so it took me literally almost eight years to complete. Uh, I released the book when I was like 22, 23. It was published then. Um, so yeah, so every book that I did was like in my twenties. Um, and then uh, later on, as I got older, more books came out. And where where can we uh find your uh your books? Uh, what platforms? Um, so my book, uh, my newest book is "Regaining Your Spiritual Authority." Um, that is available on my website, and that is um, Byron Walker um, dot dot com. Or you can get that through um, Amazon, um, eBay, Barnes and Noble. It's pretty much everywhere. All you type in is my name, Byron Walker. Um, Regaining Your Spiritual Authority. You can find that on Walmart and Target as well. And then my children's books, um, those are available on uh, all websites as well. Um, Amazon, Target, um, or my website. If you want a personalized signed copy of it, you can go to my website to get that. Um, ByronWalker.BigCartel.com Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm real. Um, I interviewed an author uh I think about six months ago, back in October, her name is Molly Asai. She wrote the book called God of the Impossible. It's on Amazon and uh, 
it was like one of the number the top books in the country like she became a millionaire off that book and it's a lady uh her son um her son is famous he was on the Britain Latin board he wrote a uh, a comic script for somebody and uh he went got famous but um she wrote a book and I always uh been intrigued by authors because uh, I ran into somebody else on Clubhouse that was an author too and she gives uh um coaching sessions and just like uh, I know you give coaches sessions too. And uh, I was uh, talking to her the other day and I was like, you know, all the stuff that I've been through in the military, I was like, man, I think I could write a book on a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you definitely can. So um, you, you could tell the people um, where they um, about your coaching sessions. Okay, so I do have coaching sessions. I have a, a boot camp coming up. Uh, which will be on March the 12th. And you can sign up through that through my website, um, byronwalker.bigcartel.com. Um, I do have the one-on-one sessions uh, available in the drop-down menu of that website. But then I, if you want to sign up specifically for the course with the other students, um, you can actually do that. It'll be it'll be cheaper, uh, but the one-on-one services are more um, beneficial. Um, in a way where I actually have that time where I, I'm able to sit down with you um, via Zoom and we're able to talk about, you know, what's on your mind concerning your vision, concerning your books, concerning your ideas. So I'm able to help you with those to get them out of your head and to get them on paper and now into stores. And so that is my uh, passion is to help people. Okay. Yeah, I know. Um, I've been running into a lot of good people on Clubhouse, and uh, I ran into a lot of people that I don't got on my podcast and things like that. And uh, when I first came to your uh, Clubhouse room, I think it was about two weeks ago. But um, you know, uh, hearing you um, in different instances, you know, tell a little bit about yourself, about your story, and what you do for a living, and things like that. You know, I was like, yeah, he'll be a good person to interview, but just you as a person, you know, I, uh, before I even thought about uh, interviewing you, I just was uh, inspired by you and respected you as a man, you know, for all the stuff that you do. And uh, just like, and I just wanted to uh, put some energy into you because I know, you, you know, you being a pastor, you know, and it's I know you uh, it's something that God's called you to do, but I mean uh, for what it is, you know, you find yourself putting your energy into people every day, and um, and you probably get ten percent of people that put energy into you because you constantly having to you know, which it's nothing to complain about, but it just is what it is. If you if you get what I'm trying to say, I do. Yep, they definitely do. But um, did you have uh, what? What are your plans for the rest of the year besides the uh, the album that you have coming out later on this year? Any uh, other plans you have as far as books or anything outside of that that you got going on? Um. So outside of that, I have a conference coming up at the end of the year. Uh, every year I do my prophetic impartation conference. I started the um, conference uh, six years ago, 
I started with $35 and I felt God was leading me to start a conference. And so from that experience, it grew bigger. And so because of the pandemic, uh, we didn't have it for two years. And so I feel like God has prompted me to release it again this year. So it'll be at the latter part of the year. Usually I have it around October, uh, early November, um, so that uh, others can be able to prepare, get them enough time to get, you know, their planes and everything, tickets taken care of. But so usually, um, so the ones I had before, um, I had uh, my good friend, Dr. Ernest Pugh came out, um, still award winner. Um, I had uh, Jaleesa McRae. A lot of people came. My good friend, Bishop Kevin Foreman, which he'll be uh, speaking with me a couple of times in the next uh, weeks to come in my clubhouse rooms. But um, I had a lot of people come. It was amazing. I had it in Atlanta, Georgia. The last one was in Stockbridge, Georgia. And uh, it was amazing. People came from London, England, um, different parts of the world. Uh, but so this year we're going to do it again. Uh, and I, and I want to pray that we're going to have it actually live where it won't be just virtually because I don't really like this whole <laughs> the virtual. You know, I like to be in the room. I like to actually be there so I can feel it's a different feel when you're there in person. You know what I mean? And so um, we're going to do that. Um, that's what I'm working on. Um, I have to sing at the Soar Wars pre-show, which will be in Rockford, Illinois, on March the 7th. So I'm getting prepared for that to fly out to there to sing uh, with Todd Delaney and the Rendicard Cohen and so many people hosted by Isabel Davis. Um, so I'll be the opening act of that show. So I'm grateful for that. Oh, yeah, that should be fun, you know, being able to uh, open up and get that experience of performing. Hopefully that uh, that turns into uh, more uh, dates to where you can start touring and things like that. Mm hmm. Yes, sir. It definitely is a greater, a greater opportunity, uh, a greater platform as well. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, before we, before we wrap this up, uh, can you uh, any give any advice to any upcoming, uh, you know, music artists that's coming up? And any uh, up, uh, upcoming authors or uh, ministers, you know, and any in all aspects of what you got going on, any advice uh, from all the stuff, uh, trials and tribulations that you had to go through growing up from all the lessons that you learned in life? Yes, I would just say um, stick to the plan. Uh, that's one thing I can wrap up and say stick to the plan. Don't get distracted by the counterfeits so don't get distracted by things that i mean because things we deal with things along the way but at the end of it still stay focused remain focused uh, and don't get distracted by it um another thing i would say is um don't feel as if everything has to be rushed as an artist or as a preacher or even as an entrepreneur don't feel like everything has to be rushed but perfect that thing first and then uh when it's time to lunch lunch it um because when preparation meets destiny, then comes success. I'm gonna say that again. When prepare, when preparing something comes into contact with destiny, then comes success. You can't miss the preparation stage. And there's many of you all that's listening in. You feel like everybody else is doing it before you, but listen, you're being prepared for it. You're you're in your preparation stage, and remember that it takes a longer time for a steak to be cooked. Then it takes for a hamburger. And so always remember that you're that steak that's in that oven that's being cooked. And it might seem like it's taking forever, but trust the process. I went to a restaurant. I'm going to say this and I'm done. I went to a restaurant before 
and uh, I noticed that some people came in the restaurant after I ordered my steak and my potatoes, and they ordered a hamburger. And um, they came in 20 minutes after I ordered, and so they got their food first. And I was mad. I was upset. And um, my waiter, I said, why? How did they get their food first? Why Why isn't our food here? And he was like, first of all, what did you order? I said, I ordered a steak. I wanted it well done. Uh, and so he said, well, you got to remember your steak takes a longer time to cook. A hamburger don't take that long. And so just to encourage y'all that's listening in, remember that the reason why you're still waiting is because you're in preparation stage. And I want to say this, don't allow your weight to become your weight. Don't allow your W-A-I-T to become your W-E-I-G-H-T. Yeah, I like I like that uh, story. That's a very, very powerful uh, statement. Um, do you uh, you can uh, finish off by giving all your social media platforms and uh, where people can find you at. And uh, if you want to promote anything that you got going on. Yes, I am available. Everything is uh, so simple. My Twitter. Uh, is uh, officially Byron. My uh, Instagram is officially Byron Walker. My Facebook officially Byron Walker. Uh, my YouTube channel is uh, youtube.com backslash officially um, Byron Walker. Actually, it's Byron Walker official. And so that's where you can contact me. My website, byronwalker.bigcartel.com. Um, email Byron Walker Ministries at yahoo.com so those are my contacts I'm, I'm very much active on ig and also on facebook as well so those are always a good ways to contact me okay and uh i'll finish off by saying this you know uh, i appreciate you uh coming on the uh, podcast and um yes sir i would i would like to open uh, also let you know that uh, I tell everybody this, you know, if you ever come across a topic or anything you feel uh, passionate about, you know, in your everyday life, you can uh, always feel free to hit me up and it'll take me that but five minutes to strike up an episode about it and we can talk about it. And I can have uh, four people on here with me at a time and we can have a uh, dialogue with uh, stuff and you have topics and things that you want to talk about thank you i really appreciate that and um you see him um you check out my spotify you'll see all my other topics i have a lot of my friends on with me and we talk about a lot of stuff uh talk about fake friends police brutality child support you know relationships we talk about a lot of stuff like uh I got an episode tomorrow um, I'm doing with a female and we're going to be talking about basically us uh, uh, dating and uh, basically single mothers versus single fathers, the roles reversed. So, you know, like common things that people have to deal with that I like to do a lot of relatable topics on top of interviews and stuff or if something hits home, I know my most deepest episode was the police brutality one. That episode got so deep that uh, one of my friends got put off the episode. Oh, wow. And that's how I know people be listening to your conversations because 
Um, he started talking about Malcolm X and the NCAACP, and it was stuff that I didn't even know that he was saying that was true. And, you know, they put him off, and I tried to get back on, and he could never get back on. So, you know, I had, uh, he was telling me, man, make sure you post this episode because a lot of people don't know this information. You know, that, that happened like a year ago. Oh, wow. But yeah, I want to uh, do more episodes. Uh, uh, I'm trying to record at least at least three times a month. But I might uh, just start doing three times a week because I've been outdoing myself every year since I've been doing this podcast thing. So I just want to uh, keep going, see where it goes. Oh yes, sir. I definitely understand. Hey, man, I appreciate you uh, coming on. And um, I usually put on a song after uh, the episode is over. So I'm going to put your um, your single that you was playing earlier to send, to send me. Uh, I'm going to put that at the, uh, the end of the episode. So when people get done listening to it, they'll transition into that song. Okay. I appreciate that. Okay. Thank you for the time. And okay. Another, uh, pre, uh, this concludes the Air J the Great podcast. Uh, everybody, go check out my YouTube channel, Air J the Great podcast. Go subscribe and and go follow my podcast on Spotify, the Air J the Great podcast. And uh, and I appreciate you coming on, Byron. I, I really do. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate your time, and I'm just grateful to be here. Definitely. All right, and we up. Uh,